Hi, this is Donald Wong. A shout out to the Thompson boys and the Juniper boys. You're listening to the Snow Day podcast. The Gay Pride Parade? Yeah. Hey, George, it's uh, 2018. You don't have to say gay in front of Pride anymore. <laughs> <laughs> What's it called now? <laughs> oh, Pride. It's July 2018. This is episode 17, Stuff. All right, let's fire this thing up. You guys are good to go? Yep, yep, yep. All right, it's episode 16 of the Snow Day podcast. I think it's 16. I'll have to check back. Uh, yeah, my bad. It's actually episode 17. It's been a little while since uh, we all got together, an awful long while, and there's absolutely no excuse for it other than life just caught up, I think, with all of us in, a, in an absolutely insane way. I honestly think it's been two months, and I'm going to throw out an apology to the podcast listeners on this one, just that we kind of couldn't get organized. We even recorded an extra in the middle of that, our uh, recording with <laughs> the newspaper guy in Thompson, who, Ian Graham, fantastic guy, but uh, for you guys that were on the call... He's not an audio interviewer. There's a reason why Ian is a newspaper guy. <laughs> right? I didn't sense that at all. <laughs> no, you didn't get that? <laughs> Steve and I never talked about that after we recorded that plot. No. Like, I didn't call Wes as soon as we got off the call to talk about it. <laughs> I sent the raw audio to my sister, too, and she said, you know what, like the... It turned out really good, and it, it's probably out as an extra right now. I'm going to release that before I release this pod. And she said the, the conversation, the questions he asked were great, but there were times, and he's a friend of mine. He's going to listen to this. Ian, we love you, like arms around you, but your interviewing style is a little slow. <laughs> so good one. So anybody who's listened to that, basically just as a snapshot, if you didn't catch our podcast extra, what it was is our very first media interview, which was kind of, strange because i feel like we're producing media and all of a sudden we got interviewed by ian who's the guy at the citizen here in thompson which is so cool i mean we all had our picture in the thompson citizen at some time uh he called us up and just talked to us about how the pod came together and all that and i uh i had a lot of fun doing that actually it was kind of cool because you don't usually sit back and and think about a little project that you work on yeah yeah no it was it was good to reflect on it was like what was it was it called a meta-analysis and you actually talk about what you're talking about so you know it was uh it was actually fun to just connect and and give some consideration to uh so i loved it it was was great it was fun we missed you georgie because you actually had some real work to do all of a sudden which kind of sucked but uh it it was like steve was having a little bit of sweet revenge through that whole thing too so (laughs) it was gold thinking about montreal (laughs) (laughs) i was hoping that you weren't lost in montreal (laughs) flashing back i'm looking forward to listening to it Here's the disclaimer. There's going to be some swearing. This is going to be a little unprofessional. Someplace between a locker room and a church gathering. Nothing we'd be embarrassed to play for our kids or our parents. That's kind of the zone. If you can live with that, welcome aboard. If not, thanks for giving it a try. Four friends trapped in a virtual living room by a virtual snowstorm. This is the Snow Day Podcast. With. Dr. George Alvarez. I'm in a weird position where I have no debt, but I own nothing. 
I don't have a car. I lease a car. I'm renting my house. Speaker, author, and leadership expert, Stephen DeGroote. This is friendship. This is love right here. That's, <laughs> that's what you all love. Guy's son and entrepreneur, Leslie Hansen. For a period of time, I was distanced from pretty much everything that I owned. And all of a sudden, I woke up one day and I was just like, wow, I don't need any of that shit. And me, I'm still in Thompson, Bruce Krentz, the one they left behind. The next time you're in Thompson, Wongers, I said A&W's on me. Let's have a, a quick round, George. I'm going to throw to you first, you because you missed the the podcast extra. But then, it, between then and now, you went to Italy, which is totally amazing, and some of the pics you sent from there are phenomenal. So, uh, tell us what's been going on with you, man. Well, I had uh, drinks with you at your house because up in Thompson, Manitoba, you know, a month ago, and then I went to Toronto for a work function and caught up with Les to celebrate with him. He took me and my girlfriend to the canoe club, and then I ended up going to Italy for both uh, a conference and pleasure for a couple of weeks and uh, just had an amazing time. So I've had a, a pretty solid four to six weeks. I love that. You you stole a little bit of my check-in, so I'm going to jump in before I go to the other guys. couple things. You and I caught up. We had a little bit of uh, Portuguese wine. We were over to my house, hung out a little bit. Two days later, I saw you, Steve, in Winnipeg, and two days later, I saw Donald yeah. Wong in Ottawa. So what kind of Juniper Jaguars Whoa. run was that? Well, if only I could have parachuted into Toronto on my way by Leicester and had an airport drink, it would have been like, the, what's that? Not even a trifecta, quadfecta of... Uh, it would be a quadfecta. <laughs> of, of Juniper yeah, Jaguars. That's true, Bruce, and it would have been a good month for you because I've been buying all month, too, so you missed your opportunity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Record, he bought me dinner again. <laughs> The, the old uh, T-Rex arms were out. You were you were reaching all the way down to your wallet. I, did you guys see that one? Uh, Harwood sent out a thing about uh, Steve getting his T-Rex arms out and and finding his wallet yeah. twice to buy the guy stuff. And then quirks and quarks. This this might be our second biggest next to the Thompson Citizen uh, media shout out. Quirks and quarks retweeted one of our things. <laughs> Talk about a CBC institution. It's unreal. Are you serious? Oh, how did I how did I not know that? I don't know, Har Harwood shot it out, but it, w it was kind of like just a random thing, and it was way after Harwood had sent the tweet, and yeah, they somehow they picked up on it. That's fantastic. How do we not love that one? Yeah, no, I would have loved to have you buy in, and uh, so first of all, Wongers was unbelievable. Hi, this is Donald Wong. A shout out to the, the Juniper Boys. We uh, played badminton together, which we haven't done in 20-some years. He's got this club of older sort of people they're all Asians like there was me and one other white dude there and yeah it's uh, a mafia he's part of the Asian mafia did in you, Ottawa did you guys see the pic did I send you guys a pic of me and him yeah you did with it was the, awesome. the yeah. do-rag yeah. and the glasses and all yeah. that like he looks more mafia now than he did the first time we saw him so it was just like old times we started playing and it was weird the chemistry was just there and uh, so we had a super fun night and then I went out for for dinner with him too a couple days later Shame on me. He picked up the tab. I tried to do it, but it was his town. I said, the next time you're in, the <laughs> next, the next time you're in Thompson, Wongers, I said, A&W's on me. <laughs> Here's the other little one, Georgie, on your story. So I think you and Les went to Canoe. And uh, when Marnie and I were in Toronto a couple of years ago, we went to Canoe because the guy that runs it or whatever, the chef there was on MasterChef, right? So we went and, 
And Lester, you had the best line because we were a little sheepish about it. We're we're the one you left behind, and now all of a sudden we're going to what is it, the fifty seventh, fifty eighth floor, Lester, of the TD Tower, fifty fourth floor. Fifty fourth yeah. floor yeah, of the TD Tower. You gave us the good tip off. You said call ahead, get a good table. I mean, we could see the bay and the planes landing and and all that kind of stuff. Like it was unreal. And you just said your visa's as good as anybody else's. Like <laughs> they won't turn you down. <laughs> there. I mean, the the meal was incredible. We did this tour of Canada thing where you get kind of foods from all over the place. Then the very next day we go do the uh, bicycle tour around Prince Edward County, and in our little town, mm. no restaurants were open the next night. So we ended up going to Max but uh, a bunch of nachos and a jar of cheese and that's what we had for supper. <laughs> falling from grace <laughs> from, from hero to zero from canoe to max in one day <laughs> so, were you in like uh wellington or picton or bloomfield ah where were we i can't exactly remember we were, we're counting like we were we were in that it had to be one of those because the other ones don't have a max <laughs> they're not big enough. Yeah, I think it's Bloomfield where you're And what's right beside Bloomfield? Because the funny thing was that night we like we kind of searched around town and in the end we just said, okay, we're just buying whatever at Max. And same thing, we had had a great day biking around. We did the bicycle build for two and the wa- wine tour, the whole thing. Yeah. And yeah, looked around town, yeah. couldn't find anything. And then the next day we drove like 10 minutes down the road and there's a little bit bigger town <laughs> with like a whole bunch of restaurants. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, Picton. It would have been, it would have been Picton. Yeah, Picton. So it was, uh, yeah. it was super cool. Been a good couple of months for me. I mean, I saw Georgie, we did that. I saw the Wongers and uh, right now I'm out at Studio P at uh, Paint Lake, so. Yeah, yeah, I was in Mexico yesterday. <laughs> it's a little painful to be back in Toronto today because it's not a very, uh, not a very warm day. But actually, guys, it's been a lot longer than six weeks when I was when I was uh, uh, queuing up the conference call, uh, logged into my laptop to set up the conference call for this call. I can see the history of the previous calls. And aside from the one that we did with the Thompson Citizen guy, because that doesn't count because Georgie wasn't there, the last full podcast we recorded was on April 18th. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Snap. <laughs> <laughs> like 10 weeks ago. <laughs> Well, it, it so, has. Wow. It's painful. It is painful, so and a lot has gone on. In, a lot has gone on in the in the last two months. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. Oh Tell God. us. And I mean, we've been. Uh, it's been some crazy times just for all of us, right? We tried to connect, and it yeah. just it kind of it kind of didn't work. So, well, we did a number of times. I know I'll, I'll uh, apologize for my part in that. I know there were a couple of times where I was too busy, and I had to pull the plug. I had a pretty busy business run there for a while. Um, and uh, closed a, a pretty good deal a little while ago, which was why I, it was it was my turn to buy. So, uh, <laughs> I, I, thank God, I, the guys, these Bruce, these these guys, you know, I think they're more experienced at this than you. They caught a whiff of that. Steve made sure that he came through town. <laughs> I took, hey, I took you him. You chose home. the place, though. You chose. I did choose the place. <laughs> took him out. We had a, we had a great dinner, and mm-hmm. uh, a couple nights later, it was it was fantastic. George was. Uh, traveling through town uh, with his girlfriend on his way to uh, Italy and uh, managed to connect uh, perfect timing uh, coinciding with uh, with me closing the deal that I had been working on so uh, we went out for dinner that night as well great opportunity to see those guys and and uh, give them a little send-off to Italy and uh, then the next day I jumped on a plane and went to Mexico And I've been sitting on a beach 
drinking tequila, smoking cigars, and getting fat for the last <laughs> week. And uh, now, I'm, now I'm back in Toronto and not at the Pride Parade this year. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to say too fat, but just too shy? <laughs> yeah, I think those two things are very connected in the, <laughs> in, in, in the bigger picture of Pride Parade. But, no, we were just talking earlier that it's uh, just a coincidence that I think last year we recorded a an episode on uh, the Sunday of Pride in Toronto, and uh, today is that day as well. So it's like our one-year anniversary of, I can't remember what we were talking about a year ago, but here we are one year later recording a pod again on a Sunday evening. Public transportation, I think Georgie was saying. Let's to clarify, I actually do think you're fat when I saw you, so you don't have to sugar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll take I'll take that on the nose. I'll take that on the nose for sure. Not a lot of time for the gym. Closing <laughs> deals. Closing deals. Well, I'm I'm all right. I'm all right, George, with with admitting that this is the one time in the 45 years that you've known me that you've been able to call me fat. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I also had a birthday squeezed in there, too. Yeah, that was was another reason to go to Mexico. Stevie D, I caught uh, fire in your backyard. We had a good little catch-up. You're in Fredericton right now. Actually, we're in four different time zones. So you're in Fredericton. I'm at Studio P. I mean, it's this is madness. What have you been up to since I saw you? Three-hour differential. Uh, You know, I... I, Yeah, yeah. So I've seen all three of you uh, since the last podcast. And Bruce came through, which was awesome. We had some beers in the backyard. Guys, I need to say this. Bruce ate meat at my house. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I... I Bruce, I'm sorry. I hope you told Marty. But uh, I always forget because it's one of those things on principle. I forget that he he doesn't eat meat. So every time he comes to town, I offer to take him out for meat or cook him meat. And I made this big thing of ribs, and he came over, and I'm like, ah, it's too bad you don't love these ribs. Like, you can't try these ribs. And he's just staring at them, and they were amazing, weren't they, Bruce? So yeah, they were had, pretty, had, pretty top shelf. And a couple say. of ribs. A couple of ribs, and I, like, I was like, I'm like, he's eating meat. This is friendship. This is love right here. That's, <laughs> that's what you call love. Wrapping our arms uh, around and, each other. Yeah. They, it was grain-fed beef, though, yeah. right? Like, it was yeah. a vegetarian <laughs> cow. <laughs> you tell yourself whatever you need to tell yourself, you know. But uh, no, and then uh, I saw Georgie. I saw Lester. And we had a, like an amazing. I've never been to Michael's before, and it was an amazing. I've been to a lot of restaurants, and that it was awesome. And just our time together was a good visit. Hey, Lester, it was uh, yeah. meaningful as always. And yeah, I've been to five or four different provinces since. I'm in Fredericton, was in Montreal, took Bray to Montreal with me for a week, and it's just been busy, busy, busy. And I'm heading to see Georgie in a week. So I'm blessed. I mean, I, I get to travel a lot and see you guys very often. I think we glossed over rather quickly that Bruce ate meat. I think we need to pause. I was in shock. I was in shock, Jordan. I was, I was like, like, I'm in shock. I, I didn't think about it. I felt badly the next day. I'm like, oh, my God, I feel like a terrible person. It's but, uh, Yeah, so go ahead, George. Yeah, you want to not really. honor this in some way? No, no, not really. A little moment of silence, a little, you know, pour out from my, the homies in the pen kind of attitude. You know, this is a big deal. You've been at it for a long time. It'd be like, pork, you know, like Muslim eating pork or something. It's a big deal. Bruce, how did you feel the next day? 
Uh, I mean, I felt great. Little cards on the table, boys. Once in a while, after uh, our hockey games, there's a, bu- there's a bunch of guys that are uh, hunters and stuff like that. So they bring uh, elk sausage and caribou sausage and stuff like that. And so, one, I mean, once in a while, you got you got to do what you got to do. So uh, I, I can't say it's been, I can't say it's been t- ten years since we had anything, but uh, I it was special, Bruce. <laughs> You see, this is why I'm bringing it up. Georgie, you uh, shattered my dream. (laughs) Yeah, all right. First, your whole life is a lie. It is. I mean, it's it's a hundred (laughs) percent lie. I just imagine Krentz in the fucking change room in nothing but his fucking hockey pants, his skates, no shirt, just outside the dressing room, laughing at the world. A little slice of caribou sausage. It's and I said it in the vegetarian episode. It's it's not. This isn't a humanitarian human rights. I've gone hunting before. It's just it, it makes us feel good. So I, I consider it a condiment, boys. Just like bacon, basically once in a while is a condiment. What are you gonna do? No biggie. It's summer. No biggie. Yeah, exactly. You do you do what you gotta do. Last one, boys, before we get off of the check-in and so that you guys can stop ripping me is just I don't know if any of you got if the pick got out, but Jim Rudd actually sent a picture of the burnt out car that him and I had to I flee from. It. Did you see that? Yeah. Well I'd buy you a cake car. Jump in to the topic at hand. It's time to talk about stuff. And uh, I feel like right now is a pretty uh, kind of interesting time for us to talk about this. George, you were just in Italy. Lester, you were just in Mexico. And a little bit of this conversation, I think, is stuff versus experiences. And uh, kind of what do you value in your life? But also... uh, how much stuff do you have? And when we're talking about stuff, we're talking about everything. Like, what, what do you got? And is good stuff important to you or lots of stuff or kind of where are you at on all this? I want to throw out my quick disclaimer. I, I'm likely, I want to say financially on the lower end of our bell curve for the four of us, but I'm sure that I have the most stuff, like by a mile. And I'm not saying this to brag. That's not, that's not uh, why I want to do that. But it's kind of weird how your life just goes in that direction and you end up with a lot of stuff. So uh, how about I throw to you first, George? Do you feel like you have a lot of stuff and do you value having good stuff, bad stuff, a lot of stuff or no stuff? That was a lot of questions. So just jump in, man. Well, I suspect all of us at our age group will have a similar sentiment that what we consider stuff changes a little bit. So right now, I'm in a weird position where I have no debt, but I own nothing. I don't have a car. I lease a car. I'm renting my house. I've been getting rid of lots of stuff for my kids and my personal. So I'm really uncluttering my life. And that probably has to do with what I went through, like my divorce and change and all that sort of uh, that lots of people go through. So I think right now I'm in the period of my life where I'm you know, putting on the accelerator of experiences over stuff. And I think probably all of us will feel the same way. But there was a point in my life where stuff kind of validated what you did for a living. I went to school for so long. I studied for so long. So in order for me to 
get a car, get a new suit, have a plasma screen TV, et cetera, et cetera. That, that kind of punctuated my life. It proved to me that all my hard work was, you know, paying dividends. So I think, I suspect that you guys will have similar comments. So right now, I'm definitely in a decluttering stage, and I'm trying to get experiences, and Italy was one of them, and taking my mom and my kids to Portugal was last summer, so uh, I'm definitely de-stuffing right now. I'll throw one more to you, though, because you've got, you've got two kids that are starting to grow up, and sometimes you just need things around, right? Do you have a... Are, are you looking at a trampoline for the backyard? Do you have... a bunch of video games stuff like that or have you managed to not probably get too wrapped up in just having a lot of things for them but you know you know what actually that's a, that's a good point is my stuff is actually totally focused towards my kids so when my son needed soccer shoes i totally bought the soccer shoes that i wish i had they're orange <laughs> they're slip-on they're professional when Zara's playing volleyball, I had to like pull back and not buy her $160 court shoes because I'm all, this is crazy. She, she needs like $25 Nike shoes. So uh, definitely my stuff that I'm purchasing has to do with the experiences my, my children are going through and I don't mind spending money on them so they can enjoy the activities that they do. So that, that's a good point. Steve, I think you got, uh, I'm going to throw this one to you next. At one time had a, I mean, you had a bit of a bigger house and you kind of had some more stuff. And then now where, where are you at? Yeah. You know, I've never been a collector of stuff. Actually, I've never, you know, I, I, I admire people that go to places and like, you know, I've traveled tons and I'm in places. And I'm like, you know, I'd really like this thing. And I'm looking at it and I go, mm, but do I really want it? So I'm a, min- a minimalist. So you'll, like if you're in my house, I don't have a lot of, you know, I have pictures, special pictures and things in special places, but I don't, I've never really collected a lot of stuff. Um, and I don't know, it's weird because now I'm at a point where I, you know, I see my friends got the odd, you know, something nice from a place. I'm like, you know, should I, have, I've been to so many places and I've got nothing to show for it. Not that I really need to, but I'm kind of at that place where, I, you know, a lot like George, I, I'm more about the experience. Like I love doing things, right? And I love, I love having an experience and having pictures of it or having a memory of it is great but um you know buying stuff and packing it and bringing it back and like setting it somewhere just uh never been i've never been one of those collector kind of guys ever and maybe at one point i'll regret that but at this point i'm i'm still fine with it you jumped in on the big sonos system right your house when i was over there it was it's so cool yeah Um, and that's a yeah that's a higher end rig so the stuff that you have the is it important to you to have a little bit better stuff or is that um, is that one of those ones that was just i mean it's great so how do you not uh, you know it, that right? was a combination of being at, at les's place when he got his tv set up and then going to georgie's where he had the sonos and it sounded great but for me i went i went eight years without a tv right like uh <laughs> my boys and i after i got divorced we you know we played music or played games or played sports and did something active you know we had the big screen and we'd watch movies uh you know once or twice on a weekend but we did not watch any tv uh, and when Zane hit 15 last year, he'd been coming to my place 50% of the time. And the, it was just like, okay. Uh, he said, I, I don't want to come home for the weekend, Dad. I'm going to spend time watching a TV at a friend's house. So I'm like, okay, that's cool, whatever. And then next weekend, same kind of thing. He's like, Dad, do you mind if I spend? I go, what are you guys doing? He goes, oh, we're just going to watch TV. And it hit me like, okay, yeah, Steve, even though like you don't watch TV and, and Bray is like uh, 18 going on 90, he's like Buddha reincarnated. <laughs> 
Zane needs to watch TV and hang out and like flop on the couch. So I'm like, you know, screw this. I drove straight to, and it was kind of a double thing. I wanted to, you know, if I'm going to get a TV and a, a sound system, I might as well get one that I can afford and a nice one. But it wasn't like I'm going to, you know, like it was initiated by having something for Zane, if that makes sense. If uh, if I didn't have that experience, I'd probably still be without a TV and a sound system. No, I think that does answer the question. I mean, the question is, would you buy a Rolex or a Timex? And probably most of the time it's a Timex, unless you just really yeah, love the look yeah, of the Rolex, you know, right? Again, it's, 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 you know, when I started my corporate games, I went out and got a really nice watch to kind of mark that, I guess, or yeah. celebrate that. So in moments, I will do something of like that, but generally not. You're, you're buying the one that's best for you. Yeah, in the moment, yeah. Lester, before I jump in, I'm going to throw this to you. So the, the interesting one to me, and this is almost like the Rolex Timex question, and I'd be curious to hear what you have to say because, uh, like you said, you just sold one of your businesses. Things are going pretty good. Uh, you went down to Mexico kind of for your birthday, kind of to celebrate that likely. But I feel like in the late 80s, maybe you would have bought a Lamborghini. Not not you, but somebody in your situation. Well, probably not a Lamborghini. But anyways, you would have bought a fancy car or a watch or something. But instead, you chose to do the the trip and the vacation and all that kind of stuff. So where are you on the, the stuff versus experiences? Uh? Interesting question, Bruce. It's something that I've been thinking about a little bit because, you know, obviously a lot of my friends who I've spoken to who were familiar with the process that I just went through have all asked me, oh, what are you going to do to celebrate? Like, what are you going to get? And I, and in fact, Steve asked me that exact question at dinner. We spent some time talking about it. I said, you know what? I have no idea because I'm not very good at buying stuff for myself. I also, I remember reading a study a couple of years ago that said people who spend their disposable income on experiences as opposed to possessions uh, score uh, happier people on um, uh, emotional intelligence testing. Really, I went to Mexico just because I just wanted to get away and clear my head a little bit and chill out and get some rest, but yeah, I'm not a big I'm not a big possession guy. I, like I'm not going to go out and buy a car, you know, because I sold a business. It's just never really been my thing. And actually, for just for a point of clarification, like I don't think I asked you what are you going to get. I believe I said what are you going to do for you. <laughs> well, I didn't want to get into the therapy session side of uh, our <laughs> podcast. Well, I just want to I just want to I just want to say I didn't, yes, I didn't say what are you going to get. I didn't want to say that. I just want to clarify. Don't be further. Let's have a question for you. You I'm Jim Rudd and I sold a bag of duck decoys to Guy Hansen. So do you think that's part of the way you are? Because it's interesting. My dad is the exact opposite of your dad in terms of collecting things. He was um, always talked about money, never bought anything for himself. Your dad loved collecting things. You know, and I'm obviously, you know, tongue-in-cheek about the hoarder stuff, but your dad just enjoyed things and, you know, playing around. So it's weird that we had two different fathers, but we are at the same stage in our life. So it isn't necessarily how you grew up and who your father figure is. I think it's more socioeconomically where you are. And this really hit home when I was talking to Megan, uh, where, you know, we've gone on a few nice trips and some of her East Coast friends have noticed, you know, the stuff that she's dropped on Instagram. And she would go like, oh, you should really go to Mexico or, 
you know, Italy was really fantastic. And their response is, well, we can't afford that. So we'd rather spend a thousand dollars on a nice TV so that we can all watch movies as a family on Sunday. So a little bit about stuff versus experience. Like, I'm, I'm just wondering if it's the same word. Stuff for somebody who can't mm-hmm. afford what we just did, we just call experience. But it's actually the same thing. It's what we can afford to do that achieves something within us. Let's not confuse or let's not substitute the word travel for experience. The study was showing that people are happier when they spend their disposable income on experiences. That doesn't necessarily mean getting on an airplane and flying somewhere. It means doing something as opposed to just owning something, right? People who buy more jewelry or, you know, buy a more expensive watch or another watch, right? Um, and, And honestly, I don't even know if that applies to my situation. I just, when I was thinking about this podcast in advance, that's one of the things that popped into my mind. The other thing, George, and you, you kind of stole my thunder a little bit, or not really, you kind of served it up to me a little bit. One of the things that I was going to say on the other side of the equation, Bruce, on just how much stuff do you have, you guys have been through my place here in Toronto. I'm Of the three of us, or the four of us, I definitely have the least stuff. Now, I also don't have kids, right? So I don't have to have anything in my home that's not specifically for me, but also like you, George, and Steve, what we all kind of touched on a little bit. When I went through my divorce back about 10 years ago, I went through this process where, you know, I uh, moved out. My ex-wife kept the house and, and stuff. For a period of time, I was distanced from pretty much everything that I owned. And all of a sudden, I woke up one day and I was just like, wow, I don't need any of that shit. Like, I don't miss it at all. And in fact, when we were sort of settling things, I had to go back and get like a bunch of my stuff. I didn't want it in the I, the rental place that I was, was living in at that time. I went and rented a storage locker, rented a truck, picked up all my shit, drove it to the storage locker, put it in the storage locker. A year later, I get a phone call saying, oh, your year rental in the storage locker is up. Do you want to renew it? And I was like, I hadn't been there once in a year to go look at my stuff. So I was like, <laughs> no, you know what? I don't want to renew it. And I, I literally went down and spent an afternoon just splitting it into piles. This is going to Goodwill and this is going to <laughs> the garbage and this is recyclable and I just got rid of it all. And Are you I, sure we didn't see your locker on Sporge Wars? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I did. I think of just abandoning it but then I just thought that that would be kind of weird to see somebody with my shit one day and go, hey, that's actually mine. But I, it was sort of a, a process that I went through mentally where I, I started going down this path of sort of decidedly wanting to live off of a smaller and smaller footprint all the time and kind of challenging my stuff. And I got a little, I probably went a little too far at one point. Like I remember my girlfriend telling me one day, like, you're freaking me out. If I walk into your place and put something down on the counter, I'm literally nervous that you're going to grab it and throw it out because you just <laughs> didn't want any stuff. <laughs> I remember another time our friend, uh, our, our good buddy Jeff Bacon came through town. He was staying at my place in Toronto. And uh, this is when I was living in Kensington Market. He looked around. He walks in. He looks around. He's like, man, it's a really nice place. I'm like, okay. He's like, facial recognition got a hit. Jesus Christ, that's Jason Bourne. Dude, 
you look like fucking Jason Bourne living in here. You have no personal belongings. Like, what the hell? Because, because if a woman came over here, she's going to think you're some kind of, like, contract killer or something. Like, where's your stuff? And I was like, witness protection. Yeah, maybe, I've gone, yeah, maybe I've gone too far. I, I'm, I'm slowing down a little bit. I'm not as sort of obsessed with it as I was about five years ago. But I've been a big, on a big sort of long-term binge of just not wanting to have clutter around me. And George, sometimes I wonder if it's tied back to, you know, as you very correctly said, my dad was a collector of all things stuff, you know, in quotation marks. You know, a lot you can just of stop at a collector junk. of all things. <laughs> yeah, a collector of all things. It still is, to a certain degree, still yeah. is. So I grew up with that sort of around me all the time, and I, my pendulum has swung to the extreme opposite end. I mean, I'm the opposite of you guys. I have, like I said at the off the top, I got a lot of stuff. Um, I like how less you threw out that we shouldn't sort of somehow equate experiences with stuff. That sometimes you need stuff to have a kind of a decent experience, right? And so, oh, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. My little example: I did an impulse buy on a Sea-Doo, which is like I'm not an impulse buy guy, and this one was huge. Like it was all of a sudden one day I called Marnie. I said, I think I think I just bought a ten thousand dollar sea do which like that doesn't happen in our <laughs> world right <laughs> but uh the kids had kind of wanted one and we had actually tried this one out and borrowed it from a guy and then he was selling it so we bought it from him and it's been phenomenal for us right i mean it, it means that we can buzz back and forth to the marina we can go water skiing with it like it's a it's a really good piece of stuff if you want to call it that right and and yep. we've we've got a lot of those in our world and our and my Thompson world is different than yours less in the middle of Toronto, right? That's just that that's our reality. When I moved to Thompson and I saw I always used to call it the Thompson Royal Flush where people had uh, a car and a snowmobile and an ATV and a camper, right? And I was like, this is insane when I moved here. Well, I have all of those boys. I ended and, up and <laughs> much much more. Well, and and yeah. much much more as on on the way into this actually I did a little add up I have, and I'd be curious to hear what you, what you guys have on this one, just because it, it is different worlds. I have 10 internal combustion engines that I own. I'm guessing you guys aren't even close to that. No. I think I only have one. I have my car. And that's it. Me like, too. Yeah, I think. Oh, and I've got that thing under the bed. <laughs> <laughs> with the pulse, with the pulse rope. If you think. Yeah. Jesus. I can't believe you left that cat out of the bag on this podcast. Yeah. It's diesel. It's diesel. Yeah, I'm not I'm not editing that out. <laughs> no, but Bruce, I think that's a that's an important point because you know, if you buy a jet ski and as a result your family who you love, you know, more than anything else and want to spend time with, spends weekends and, and days at your cottage, that's an experience, right? Using that jet ski. I wouldn't say that that's you know, spending your money on a material possession. That's something that you guys did for, you know, many sunny afternoons on Paint Lake. And that's, that's probably a very happy thing in your worlds, right? That's different than buying another watch. It's funny that another watch was going to be my example. You're, you're dead right on that, right? We've had lots of fun. It's meant that we spent more time here. Yeah. Paige knows Paint Lake better than I do now because she goes ripping around on that thing all the time. Like it's, it's a great thing, but sometimes I look around and I just think, what is going on here? Like, <laughs> it's a gauncho, but it, it's just a different world. The other interesting one that I got from Guy Hansen and Harold Smith, and I have sort of a pinky swear on this one, is that I, I could shade towards the hoarder at times, and, and you see stuff, and because of where I live, and I've got some space, right, I can, 
if you offer me something, I could probably take it and find a place for it and think, yeah, this is like that pile of lumber is good. That's worth a bunch of money. I should take it. We have a deal now where if you're not going to use it within a year and can't say exactly what you're going to do with something, you can't take it. Oh, that's a great plan. And I mean, that's that for that's kind of for everybody, right? There's there's times when people offer yeah. you things or you, you see something and you're going to buy it, right? You're <laughs> cruising through. Well, you guys don't cruise through Thompson buy and sell, but you might. <laughs> and just see, like, wow, that's a patio door. That's worth a lot of money, and, uh, and I'm not spending much on it. And, and honestly, 50 years ago, Guy Hansen should have had that rule. I'm so thankful that eBay wasn't around when Guy Hansen was in his prime. <laughs> <laughs> he would have broke it. He would have broken um, eBay. Yeah, Bruce, you bring up, you know what, I think actually you crystallized my thought better than I did. I was using socioeconomic class, but probably location, I think you're saying it in a, in a different way. You own a cabin, you live in northern Manitoba, the things you need are different than me, who takes my kids skiing, who are very active in sports, versus Steve, who needs his Air Canada Lounge, because he's on the so much versus less who wants to eat out a lot because he lives a busy life in Toronto. So the, the stuff or the things we need are completely dependent on where we kind of live because mm-hmm. I can't use any of your stuff. You don't need good downhill skis because you don't live by the Rockies no. and yep. you don't need yeah, any sure, Canada sure. executive pass, right? So that's a, you actually brought up a very good point about stuff that's completely dependent on more probably where you live and a little bit of how much money you make. The other sort of extreme difference example between Bruce and myself is space is at a premium in downtown Toronto. You know, if I wanted to go buy a second fun car right now, I have nowhere to park it. Like, I I can't get another parking space (laughs) in my building. I literally would have to go and either buy or rent a parking space, you know, somewhere. Like, it's it's a huge pain in the ass. Like, do any of you, the rest of you guys, have a storage locker? No. Um, well, no. Like, I pay a few hundred dollars a month for a storage locker because I don't have, like, I don't even have a closet. I mean, I also live in a kind of a weird space. But, you know, I, I, I can't really collect junk because I don't have anywhere to put it. And as opposed to you, Bruce, you know, you've got a backyard, you've got a garage, you've got a cottage, you know, probably a couple acres of woods back there that you can hide stuff in. Right. You got room for extra trucks and trailers and boats and stuff. I, I, I would have no place to put all that stuff if I owned it. It's, it's hilarious you say that because that's exactly what it is. I bought a 12 by 20 pop-up shed, garage, whatever. In, in Quebec, they call them a temple, like a temporary shed. We, yeah. are, we call ours the temple. And I just dropped it in behind the cabin so that I could park my three crappy snowmobiles. 100% different world. Yeah. If you have space, you will fill it up. I remember um, a friend of mine who's a, an architect and an interior designer told me at one point when I was talking about how I wanted to furnish my place, and I said, I don't want to have clutter. Like, I don't, this is when I was kind of like, kind of like obsessed with it. So like, Darcy, I really don't want to have like lots of shit. And she just said, oh, it's simple. Don't put any flat places into your apartment. If you have flat surfaces, you will feel a need to put something on it because it looks weird that there's nothing on it. If you have space, oh. you will naturally want to fill it with stuff. There's a design aesthetic that goes that goes along with it as well. It's it's 100 percent true. If we had a tomato timer, yeah. it's starting to run out. Uh, slanted slanted floors. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Whoa! 
Hey, I brought you. I brought you this plant. Where do I set it down? Whoa! That's why you bought bought a hundred year old house. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there isn't a flat spot. <laughs> the the only thing we didn't really touch on is, and I think we all got there, but do we really value really expensive stuff? And I don't. This the stuff that I have, and I'm not trying to say this to be cool, but I. I don't need to have the best sidu. I don't need to have the best skidoo. I don't need to have the best clothes. I just need stuff that serves me well. And I know that's probably the like the cool answer to say, but that that's really true. Uh, I'm the I'm the same way. I've never been. Yeah, I think I've been uncomfortable with fine things. I mean, you know, it, it, I find that really fine things are a great place to visit. Um, never been really comfortable with like having to have it or you know. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm very similar that way. I think once in a while, like, you know, I, I never get myself a gift. I, it's just ever once, once in a while, I'll, I'll like drop something and go, you know, I really deserve this. But, uh, overall, it's not a regular place that I like to go. It's a place I like to visit once in a while. Very good. Georgie, last thoughts on, uh, expensive stuff and it's okay to like expensive stuff. No, I, I actually will go the opposite way and say, there are a few things I will spend money on. And you guys know this, I will spend money on food. So I like eating nice food because I grew up with a good cook. Yeah. So I go out of my way, but there's lots of times where my great meals have been for the cheap. Uh, I got to mm-hmm. tell you, I like clothes. About five years ago, I found an Italian tailor, and now I got all my dress clothes, at least on my pants, made by him. So uh, wearing good clothes when you're as busy as I am at work, I noticed because I used to not have good dress clothes, and it was uncomfortable. It was like being a kid going to church. You know, you were just, you know, if you will pants. So those two things. And then I have a little secret. Les showed me this Italian bag that he got in Florence. And I went out and bought a nice Italian travel bag. So I'm, I'm sort of flipping myself um, on the experiences. But that's more of a, as a memory. I brought back one thing for me. And it was a beautiful leather travel, like a 1970s looking bag. Uh, and I'm going to show me a picture of that. I want to see what it looks like. So, well, so I want to see a picture of like your 1970s travel bag. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny because my bag is also 1970. <laughs> <laughs> well traveled. It's looking a little worn down, apparently. Left a pick. It's as smooth as my leather bag. It so happens. On that note, Lester, last thoughts? Yeah, I think I probably fall somewhere in the middle on that one. I think. Um, it goes by category. You know, there are, I, I, I do own a few expensive things. Um, I think it, it goes a little bit hand in hand with not wanting to have a lot of stuff. I would rather have less high quality stuff as opposed to more uh, lower priced items, sort of generally as a rule. But there are yeah. also categories of expense where I just refuse to spend money. Before we started recording this, Bruce, we were laughing about a recent experience in, in Mexico. <laughs> and the fact that I still, no, no, no matter how nice the hotel I am staying in, I will still uh, wash my underwear in the sink as opposed to pay to have it laundered. <laughs> so, uh, you know, some habits that you just can't break, you just refuse to, to spend money on. Uh, so I think, it, I think it just varies. It's, uh, you know, we all kind of have developed our, our own quirks over time and, uh, Fortunately for the four of us, we're all um, in pretty good shape in general, so we have we have some options. I, th- I think you're 100% right. Some of the best advice I got when I was buying power tools, actually, which uh, I now have two sets of, because when you got a cabin and a house, and it's buy the best stuff that you could afford. 
And that's yep. good. That's good advice in just about everything you're buying. Don't overstep your bounds because maybe you don't have to do that. But buy the best stuff you can afford, and usually that serves you pretty good. Good rule of thumb. Yeah, I think I think it's pretty all right. Good roundup on stuff, boys. Not uh, bad. Just Not be- bad. just before we started, let's let's throw out the elephant in the room. Steve, you thought this was a bad topic. So how did it turn out? What do you think? I was I was I was kind of being facetious. I <laughs> I was just flashing back to the picnic, the picnic fiasco, and, you know, but it was good. I love Still you. Still scarred by the picnic, scarred by the picnic fiasco. It's the closing segment on the Snow Day podcast. When's the last time you? Oh, is it? Oh, okay, really? Uh, when was the last time you used a payphone? So, sort of a oh. sort of a follow up on uh, a couple pods what ago, and we actually kind of. Stupid <laughs> question! <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right, Stevie, you're calling him out. You got to go first. When's the last time you? Used I a can't phone, even man? remember. Holy smokes, man! I uh, I pretended to use one in Montreal. We ran into one uh, last week, and I said, "Is this an actual payphone?" And Bray's like, "You've never seen one before." And uh, yeah, no, I, I don't know. I, I honestly, I'm just trying to think. Oh gosh, I can't even remember. I think it was uh, in Toronto. I think my phone had died, and yeah, I I I don't know. I just called somebody. I can't even remember. Honestly, it's been a long time. Most memorable payphone use? You got one? Anything? Nothing? Oh, it's it's not legal. Okay, (laughs) move on. Fair fair enough, Lester. What you got? Yeah, I'm. I agree with Steve that I can't remember the last time I used a payphone. I remember, and, and I've had a lot of time to think about this because George and I were laughing about this topic probably, <laughs> shit, it might have even been last summer. So I've had like a year to think about it and I, and I can't remember. <laughs> but I, I have two two sort of like payphone use memories that are from a long time ago that are kind of funny. I remember um, when I was a kid, when I would, and, and uh, being at... Um, I want this to be the Jesus, Norplex pool. The Norplex pool. Yeah, Norplex pool. You nailed it. Bruce. <laughs> I mean, this is what the Pan Am pool, but that's where I, that was in Winnipeg. But at Norplex pool, every morning after morning workout, to let my mom know that, that I was ready, that I was finished, that I was ready to come home, I used to call from the payphone and let it ring once and hang up. So I didn't have to put a quarter in and waste a quarter for the payphone. I would just call my mom. <laughs> it would ring once and I would hang up. And that would be like her timer going off to come and pick me up. Like, you know, God, I love my mother. What a, what a giving person she was. Every, every like, five mornings a week at minus 40 in Thompson at, uh, you know, 7, 15 a.m. or something, driving to the pool to pick me up. So that's a payphone memory. And then I also remember my, uh, my very first job out of business school was in pharmaceutical sales. And uh, that was just before cell phones hit. Like, I remember getting my first cell phone, I think, um, when I was maybe a year into that job. But we used to have, the entire sales team had 1-800 voicemail boxes, and we used to use payphones everywhere and dial into the 1-800 line for free and then leave messages for each other. And of course, it was supposed to be for business purposes, but all we did was just leave stupid messages for other sales guys on the on the team to, to try to make them laugh all day long. So <laughs> 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 waste of a company, company resource. Oh, well used. Uh, oh, well used, yeah. It was good team bonding. You know, yeah. just being, being jackasses all day long with payphones. <laughs> that's it, Bruce. That's all I got on the payphone front. 
I think everybody's got one of those because my first like real job out of university, and we had a calling card. And after I yeah. left, after yeah. I left that job, I used the calling card for probably two years after that. Like, <laughs> like, like any time I was like, hey, I got free calling, and I, and I'm sure they would check. And not at the time, you're just young and stupid, right? You think nobody will ever know, but for sure they were checking the bill. Oh, like, they don't keep track. Of it. There's no way to track. It. That's why it was eleven bucks a minute. To that <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. I was like, I can phone people at noon. I don't care. It's this, this is a free. Pass. This is no three cents. <laughs> A minute, Bruce, you are so editing that out of this one. <laughs> they might build You're going to get a call from 000. <laughs> Either that or you're just going to get an invoice in the mail for like $37,000. Seriously? <laughs> you thought you'd get away with this? You're, you're an idiot. <laughs> Love it. The only other payphone one I got is uh, me and Derek Thompson, the Deke man. This was an absolute miracle. We were driving home. Uh, well, I shouldn't say home. Back to Winnipeg from Thompson at Christmas time one year on New Year's Day. And I had this Nissan 4x4 truck. This, what I thought was a cool little truck, probably wasn't. We left Grand Rapids. Unknowingly, the clutch froze open. And so at one point, all of a sudden, Deke was driving. I was in the jump seat, and he turned to me and he said, "We don't have power anymore. Like, the I, the truck isn't driving. We coasted into the payphone at Devil's Lake. <laughs> and you you guys know Devil's Lake, right? It's about minus a million, probably. It was like was it like, like it was it was thirty below, forty below. I don't know what it was. So we had yeah. both been yeah. downhill skiing here in Thompson. So we jumped out and uh, put on all of our warm clothes, like everything, right to the Bella Clavas, the whole. The whole thing and there was a payphone there and it was an absolute miracle it was before cell phones like if that hadn't happened we we're on the side of the road hoping that someone will show up in the middle of the night on new year's day like crazy and so yeah we ended up using the tire iron to pry the phone book off of the payphone so that we could look at it inside the truck the truck would still run it just wouldn't move uh so we ended up co calling a towing company and the towing company came and got us and uh took us to saint martin and the hotel there wouldn't let us just hang out in the lobby. They made us rent a hotel room, and it, it just turned into a, a giant schmoz. But uh, I, actually, Conrad Schellenberg and Jamie Shanks came and picked us up, and Jim Rudd actually oh. came too. Two different people. We sent out all these emergency calls, and uh, and our little community wrapped their arms around us and came and got us from St. Martin, and it was like the zaniest night ever. But uh, I couldn't have been more thankful for a payphone at that moment, but it was, it was madness, boys. Madness. <laughs> the one that actually occurred to me because Les and I have been talking about this when I was in Toronto in February we, we took a picture in front of a payphone I even took a picture in front of a payphone in Italy so that I could send it to you but the last time I remember using a, a payphone I was furious against Garth Matson and Steve you'll remember this Garth used to ghost all the time so we go I was one of the few guys that had a car so it would be and Garth had a car so we'd go to Strawberries or Montcalm and there was six to eight of us all the time going out. And then in, invariably, when Garth got in a bad mood, he would leave and then it would be left with me and my little Dodge cold driving everybody around in the middle of the night home. And I finally had the shift with Garth after ghosting. And I think he was living with you and Dave. And I used a payphone and I was just screaming into it at Monty's going, you fucking asshole. This is the fucking last time you'll ever leave us, you fat fuck. And I was just screaming, <laughs> Ben and Madman. 
And I remember looking over and the bouncer and the coach check person was like, what the fuck, this guy's losing his nut. And I just fucking hung up. So that was the last time I used a, a payphone with the scream at Garth Matson for fucking ghosting. What? Like he always do. At, at strawberries in Winnipeg that's now burnt down, what was that, 1991? It was Marty's because yeah. uh, Bruce, we go there from Red. Yeah, absolutely. And we, yeah. During Res, it was a shithole, and it was part of Drink the Town Dry. And then after we left, they they zhuzhed up the bar, and it became like a really popular place. It kind of took over Strawberries as a as a place to go. So that was the last time I used a payphone was to spit venom at Garth Matson. On the other end, if you leave a message, I left a message on your answering machine when people still had answering machines. So he could listen to it. Would <laughs> could pop, pop the tape out. <laughs> I love exactly. It. On what, st- what street did you live on, Stevie? Uh, Bell Bell Biv Bell Biv Bell I drove. That's where we had the big. That's where we had the big eviction party. I think you were there. Bruce. I was. Uh, I was. Backs against the wall. Who's <laughs> in the middle? Good times, eh, Georgie? We need to, we need to do a podcast on just how many times we've been evicted. That's uh, a good one. <laughs> Maybe yes, maybe no. All right, from Moncton to Toronto to Calgary and Paint Lake. What a beauty, boys. I'm oh, glad oh, we threw Fred, it together. It's been too long. Oh, Fredericton. Fredericton, not Moncton. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Let's go mix those yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> One last shout out, Bruce. Georgie and I were actually together last month in Chicago for a weekend as well. It was our old buddy Donovan Jones' birthday. Had a fantastic uh, weekend celebration down there. Bunch of Thompson people. So shout out to Donnie. Happy birthday again, brother. Good times. Oh, yeah. Oh, and, I the, and I bought George dinner in uh, at Michael Jordan's Steakhouse in Chicago. Oh, oh. So, <laughs> slow, <laughs> slow down, Dinderella. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm out. All right, guys. All right. We're yeah, out. Love you guys. See you soon, George. Talk to you, you soon. Later. Thank you. Yep. I'm my best friend. To take anything. We've always been together. We're full of a kind. Having fun all day. Piling around and laughing away. Just best friends. Best friends are we. I love you guys. Thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. Want to do us a solid? Tell your friends. Recommend us. On Twitter and Instagram at SnowdayPod and on Facebook, Snowday Podcast. And special thanks to the secret weapon, Shannon Bisson.